Hello and welcome to Spring Ridge Church Podcast. On this podcast, we will broadcast messages and lessons from our church. If they bless you, I encourage you to subscribe and rate our channel, as well as you can visit our website, www.springridgechurch.com. If you'd like to communicate, you can send an email to pastor at springridgechurch.com. And uh, we would love to hear from you, where you're listening from. And if you have any questions you'd like to have answered, uh, desire a Bible study, or would like to send us a prayer request, all of those are welcome uh, requests and forms of communication we enjoy. So we hope that the, the podcast bless you. Hope that you will uh, subscribe and become a part of our faithful listening audience. You know, last week I started a series on identity. And uh, as a framing for the subject in the series, we read from the book of Job. The Bible says there was a man in the land of us whose name was Job and that feared. And that man was perfect and upright and one that feared God and eschewed evil. And the point was, there was something inside of Job. He had a doctrine. He had a belief system that caused him to do certain things. And those things that he did became the definition of who he was. And so our doctrine, what we really believe, I don't mean what we say that we believe, but I'm saying what we really believe, it is manifested by what we do and what we do is where we get our reputation or our, our definition in the eyes of other people. And so when I, I'm, I'm talking about doctrine, I'm not just talking about something the Bible says or Jesus taught or the apostles did. But I'm talking about our doctrine, our personal doctrine, our personal system of beliefs that motivates us toward serving God. And so tonight we're going to pick up from that, and I'm going to read to you from 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 16. And you have notes. uh, They may have it on the wall as well. But I just wanted to be sure everybody had this, something you can meditate upon later. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 16 says, Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. And as a, as a, as a point of scripture for the night, 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 16, Because it is written, Be ye holy, the Lord says, For I am holy. So tonight I'm going to talk about holiness. Holiness is our Identity. Let's pray. Father, we love you today. Thank you for the word of God. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you, O oh God, would help me tonight to be a blessing. Lord Jesus, to speak some word of inspiration, some word that you could quicken in their minds at a later date that would help them to make decisions, Lord, and to do the deeds and the things you want them to do. Everybody said in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, sister. I read a really amazing quote this week. 
And it said this, It is not falling into water that drowns you. It is lying in the water. And it is not falling into sin that makes us wicked. It is staying in the sin that will damn your soul. And I think that in the, in the, in the subject of holiness, holiness is a pursuit that we, uh, we as individuals must strive toward because the Lord has called us to holiness. We know that it is the righteousness of Jesus Christ that gives us ultimate salvation. But just like if someone uh, gave you a, I mean, figure out what is priceless to you, a a wardrobe of clothing. Someone gave you a $10,000 pair of shoes and a $100,000 suit and a $50,000 tie, and they gave that to you, and everywhere you went, that was a representation of the favor that you had on your life. You would go jump in the pig pen. You might accidentally get ketchup on it. <laughs> you might accidentally uh, uh, brush up against some dusty thing. But, but if that was something that you, that you honored and you valued, you would be sure that you did not allow the various happenstance that may mar it in a minute, you would, uh, you know, you might get some of that uh, uh, washing um, uh, liquid in a bottle called shout. You might want to shout it out. <laughs> right? And so I, I think it's important for us to understand God uh, through, through Jesus Christ and His blood has given us His righteousness But it is our duty and our calling to walk in a way, act in a way, talk in a way, think in a way that we are honoring the robe of righteousness in which he has given us. In Jude chapter chapter 1 verse 20, But ye, beloved, building up yourself on your most holy faith. Somebody say holy. Upon your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. When Jesus saves us and fills us with his spirit, it is not just any kind of spirit. It is the Holy Spirit. God is holy and he has not and does not expect us to be holy on our own. It is through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that makes holiness a possibility in our lives. And so Second uh, Peter chapter 3 and verse 10 says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with great noise, and the elements shall melt with a fervent heat, and the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. He's talking about judgment that's coming to this world. The scripture is full of illustrations to show us that God that we serve no doubt is a merciful God and a gracious God. But he also is a God of judgment and wrath. He is a God that blesses but yet he is also a God that curses. And we, when God has been good to us and blessed us and helped us, we must walk in that same spirit as Job. Job walked in the fear of God. 
And in that he feared, he honored, he respected God, he eschewed, he avoided, he ran from evil. And that is our calling is to pursue God and to avoid, to, to, to separate ourselves from those things that would defile us. I read this. I read this. My mic went dead. I read this, and I thought it was worth sharing. It says, holiness is not a popular concept these days. It's also widely misunderstood. Holiness is central to the Christian life. And in times like these, it is important that we understand it and we pursue it honestly and sincerely. At the root, the word holy means to be set apart for God. It's an identity and a calling. It's rooted in our relationship with God. Jesus said we are in the world, but not of the world. That's holiness. We live here, but we exist for God and we are set apart for his purposes. An identity of holiness, I am chosen and set apart by God for his purpose is absolutely central to the freedom and liberty that he has for us. Somebody say holiness. Holiness. Doctrine. Doctrine, I looked up the word doctrine, and there was two central meanings. One word, one meaning for the word doctrine is what is taught. Jesus had a doctrine. His doctrine is what he taught. And those that followed Jesus, they they were they heard his doctrine, they heard his teaching. But this is the one I really like. Doctrine is what is received. So it's not enough that Jesus taught it, but it's that they received it. There's a lot of people that hear it, but they don't receive it. Uh, it's probably an old adage, but talk to the hand. And a lot of people, they, they, they try to attribute the teaching of Jesus to something that would cause it to be non-imparted. Uh, um, they don't receive it. I don't receive that. And so I think it's important for us to be sure that in our pursuit of faith in God and belief in Jesus and obedience to the gospel, we need to receive Somebody say, I receive it. I want the, the, the doctrine of Jesus, the doctrine of the apostles, the doctrines of the Holy Scripture to be something that I receive. The Bible says, receive with meekness the engrafted word of God that is able to save your soul. Somebody say, I receive it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 11 for it has been declared to me, my brethren, by them that are of the household of house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Now this I say, that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, and I am of Paulus, and I am of Cephas, and I, and I of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? Paul was pointing out to the fact that there were divisions... Because people were associating the doctrines of different people and they were saying, I like the way Apollos 
teaches or I like what Paul preaches or I like what, what Cephas does. And they, they were trying to say, well, this is the school of thought I'm in. And Paul was saying, you got it wrong. Jesus is our doctrine. Jesus is our figurehead. Jesus is the, the one in which we uh, attribute our faith. We were baptized in the name of Jesus. We follow after the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul didn't have a separate gospel. Peter didn't have a separate gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ was to the Jew and the Gentile. And everyone was to follow it and obey it and pursue it in the same way. In Revelation chapter 2, verse 6, we see a name called Nicholas. Nicholas. Uh, we, we actually see a doctrine associated with Nicholas. Nicholas was one of the, the uh, men that were appointed by the disciples to wait tables for the widows. Stephen being one of them, and Nicholas was another that was appointed to wait the tables of the widows. And Nicholas, in a little bit of study, he went, he went the wrong way. And people were following after the, the teachings or the doctrine of Nicholas. And in the book of Revelations, Jesus himself says, but, but this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Jesus was saying there, is, there are people that are doing things that are associated with Nicholas, the Nicolaitans. And in verse 15, Jesus says, So thou hast also them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. See that? He mentions the doctrine and the deeds of the Nicolaitans. Why is that? Because doctrine and deeds go hand in hand. You can't separate them. Your doctrine will determine what you do, and what you do will determine your definition. And these people, their doctrine was what Nicholas has taught. They were doing what Nicholas was uh, approving. And they had a reputation that Jesus Christ himself, he hated the deeds of the Nicolaitans and he hated the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. You cannot separate the doctrine and the deeds. And tonight as I, I talk to you, this is very crucial to understand is because our identity is holiness. Now, I did a little bit of study, and I, I've heard this before, and I just kind of I want to mention this, that there are some people that try to separate their mental faith, their mental faith, their belief, the things they mentally adhere to, and they are taught it doesn't matter what you do physically. Nicholas taught a doctrine that, 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 that essentially said, as long as you have faith, it doesn't matter what you do. Does that sound familiar? Just as long as you believe in Jesus, it doesn't matter what you do in your body. And they separated the mental belief from the physical actions. But Jesus said, I hate their doctrine and I hate their deeds. You know, there is a, there's a truth in the scripture we are not saved by works. We're saved by grace through faith and not of ourselves. We are saved by grace through faith. We are not saved by the works of the law. We're not saved by our sweat 
or our abilities. We're not saved by our intelligence or our money. We're saved by grace through faith. Somebody said amen. I couldn't save myself if I wanted to. I couldn't redeem myself if I want to. And no human person in this whole world could ever redeem themselves. We've been redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. We've been given the robe of righteousness of Jesus Christ. We're saved through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. He has given us something we couldn't get on our own. However, if you study the scripture, we're not saved by our works, but we will be judged by our works. Seven times in the book of Revelation, the seven churches, Jesus said, I know thy works. He didn't say, I know your intentions. He didn't say, I know your ideas. He didn't say, I know what you think. He didn't even say, I know what you believe. He said, I know your works. What does that tell us? Your real doctrine will determine what you do, and what you do will be your reputation in heaven and earth and in hell. Job, he had a doctrine. The doctrine demonstrated he understood the depravity of flesh and he understood the work of God and the power of prayer. And that, that, that life of continually praying for those he loved, he built up a hedge where the devil could not just arbitrarily touch him. And God had respect for Job. The devil had respect for Job and everybody had respect for Job. God himself said he is a perfect man. What did he do that made him, give him that, that reputation? He was one that feared God. and should, That's holiness. Job was a man that was a holy man. No doubt God gave him the desire. I believe there's within, there, there, that God has given every man the measure of faith. Just some people don't use it for the right thing. Some people believe they're going to reach it to Saturday so they can go get drunk this weekend. That's faith. Right? When God gave them faith to do something good with it. Come on, somebody. And I think it's important for us to recognize Nicholas. Nicholas, uh, his doctrine was identified by a early church, what they call Father Irenaeus. And he identifies them as the followers of Nicholas, one of the seven chosen in Acts 6. And as men who lead lives of unrestrained indulgence. The doctrine of the Nicolaitans appears to have been a form of antinomianism. Hmm. Antimonism. I looked it up and listened to it, but I can't remember how I suppose. A N T I N O M I A N I S M. Antinom. <laughs> and, and what antinomianism is, is one who holds that under the gospel dispensation of grace, the moral law is no use or obligation because faith alone is necessary to salvation. And one who rejects socially established morality. Wow, doesn't that sound familiar? If you ever hear the, the doctrine, once saved, always saved, that is simply an echo of the false heresy of Nicholas that Jesus hated their deeds and hated their doctrine because they were taught, as long as you believe, it doesn't matter what you do. And Jesus hated it then, and I would say to you, he hates it now. And those that believe such things and do such things will be judged by God. 
But that's not our identity. We're not Nicolaitans. We don't believe the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. And by the help and grace of God, we don't do the, the deeds of, Nicola, of the Nicolaitans. We are a holiness people. Somebody say praise God. God has called us to holiness. And holiness is one of the central definitions of who we are. Separation is something God has called us to. Separation. Somebody want to just tell me, what, what does separation mean to you? Anybody? Huh? To be disconnected. Somebody else want to holler. What does separation mean to you? To be set apart. To be separate. Right. Uh, the, the negative of, of, of separation is separating yourself morally and spiritually from sin and from everything that is contrary to the nature and person of Jesus Christ and the Word of God. Don't do that. And we need to have a, a, I don't do that, I don't wear that, I don't go there because I have made up in my mind because Jesus has saved me, I'm not going to dishonor his grace or be ashamed to his blood and act like I don't have any responsibility to live a righteous life. But the positive side is that, of that is I'm drawing near to God in a close and intimate fellowship through dedication, worship, and service unto Him. It's a joy. Amen. I don't believe that, that we have to live a sour or dour lifestyle. There is a joy that comes by serving Jesus. <clears throat> there is a joy that comes by serving Jesus. Amen. There is a joy that comes by serving Jesus. Amen. I do believe there's merit if you live a separated life, but there's joy when you do it for the right reasons. I don't do that because my pastor preaches against. I don't do that because my church don't uh, don't believe in it. I don't do that because my organ. That there is some merit. It's good someone knows I'm not supposed to do that. It's good to just know the pastor is against it. But but it, there's something powerful when you say I don't do that because that's not who I am. My personal doctrine says I love Jesus too much to, 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 do, to treat his grace in a way that would be a re bad reflection on him. The Bible says, uh, uh, speaking of Jesus, he who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And, and darkness is, is sin. Darkness is carnality. And we have to regularly make up in our mind, uh, we have to sift. <laughs> we have to discern. It, it's, it's, it's a challenge. It, we have to seek to know, to, to, to pursue, to do what's right. Can somebody say Amen. It is a contradiction to the whole canon of Scripture that God does not expect his people to live a holy life. This identity of separation is a quality that God commanded and there was a strong emphasis throughout Scripture that causes us to know that God put a very high premium on proper conduct and conversation. God loves you where you're at, but he loves you too much to leave you where you're at. God loves you the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you the way you are. You can't save yourself. Jesus came to save you from your 
sin. He didn't come to save you in. He didn't come to save you so you stay in your sin. He come to save you from your sin to help you get out of sin because sin is bondage. Sin is 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 it's it's terrible. It's a it's a source of shame and a source of of condemnation. It's a it's a weight around our life. It's a bondage to our soul. And and when when Jesus sets us free, we're free indeed. You can live a joy-filled life and the Lord can deliver you from every addictive habit that you may have accumulated. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 22. Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth. Somebody say purify. Amen. The, the, the Word of God is a purifying thing. The Bible says that we are washed by the washing of of the word. Amen. The word of God will come in and he will the word of God will quicken you. The word of God will discern you. The word of God will reveal to you. The word of God will convict you. And and God's response, desired response from us is that when the word of God convicts us, we say, "Oh Jesus, help me, Lord. Forgive me, Lord." Uh, uh, Paul uh, John said, "I write unto you, little children, that ye that you sin not. Everybody say, don't sin. That's what John wrote. That's what Paul wrote. That's what Jesus preached. Don't sin. Oh, but I've sinned. Well, John said, I write to you that sin not. But, but if you sin, you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. That if you will confess your sins, He is faithful and just to forgive you. How many of you have ever experienced that, that power of confession? Lord, forgive me. <laughs> Lord, I shouldn't have said that. Lord, I shouldn't have done that. Lord, I shouldn't have went there. I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have typed that. Lord, God, forgive me. Lord, help me. And, and that process, that communication where the Lord uh, uh, corrects us and then we... We, we love that correction. We embrace that correction. We, we engage the, the Word of God and it helps us to be a better, a better version of ourselves. Everybody say upgrade. You know, my phone, my watch, my computer, uh, ever so often it will tell me there's a new upgrade. And, and for my upgrade to be installed on my phone... It has to be plugged in. Come on, somebody. For my phone to get the upgrade, my phone has to be up above 50%. And my phone has to be left alone long enough for it to download the new version. Everybody say it takes time. Sometimes you got to plug in to the power source. You got to be sure your signal is connected to the spirit in the cloud and God can download a better version of yourself. Amen. And I believe it is God. He is always wanting to renew us, to upgrade our operating system, that our doctrine, that our doctrine would come up a little higher, that our deeds would come up a little higher, our reputation would go up a little higher, and we can't do it by ourselves. I got to be plugged in. I got to be connected to the cloud, and I need Jesus and some time to kind of let it work in my system but I'm telling you today if we will allow uh, God not to be satisfied where we are I want an upgrade Amen. 
Say that with me. Jesus, Jesus I, need an upgrade. I need an upgrade. You know, I both bought my first iPhone. I bought the very first iPhone when it was released. I, there's an AT&T store down here on <coughs> Highway 18 right there by Piccadilly. And I had told my wife for probably 18 months, when that new Apple phone, I'm going to get one. I never bought any of those fancy phones. I always had a had just a feature phone, and, and, and I, I, they just looked complicated. I'm like, I don't want one of those. And you had the little stylus. I just never bought one, never even wanted to buy one. They just looked, no, I didn't want one. But I saw, I'm like, I'm going to buy one of those Apple phones. And I went down there, and it wasn't a very long line. There's about maybe 10 people. It was $800. <laughs> for a little while, that seemed like a lot. Now that's that's pretty good price for one now. $800. I went down there and I waited in line. I got my first iPhone. And that was the greatest conversational piece I've ever had. Everywhere you went, like, oh, is, is that an iPhone? Can I, can, I, can I look at it? I mean, it was great. It was it was the best. I don't know, nine months to a year that that uh, that I that was one of the rare people that had one. Now everybody has one or one that looks like it. And uh, but but I can't imagine if I was still using version one software, hardware, camera, and battery. Because for that day, it was pretty good. But compared to now, I mean, I, I, wouldn't, I, would, it, I, wouldn't pick, I wouldn't stoop down and pick one up off the ground. I wouldn't take it for free unless, you know, I could sell it and make money. I mean, it's, they're worthless compared to what they are today. And a lot of times, I think compared to what God has for us, when, when you get saved, it's incredible. But the Lord wants to do more for you. He wants to put more power in you and, and put more information in you and give you a greater grasp and a greater vision and I would say to you that what God wants to do in your salvation is greater than any iPhone upgrade it's greater than any hardware upgrade we have access, everybody say identity and I'm telling you that, 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 that it is the will of God that, that we would make space for God to upgrade our doctrine. Amen. How do we upgrade our doctrine? Study the show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needed not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Consume the word. Thy word, O Lord, have I hidden my heart that I might not sin against thee. Amen. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm about done. There's a word in the Bible that, that is a complementary word to holiness. And it's the word to sanctify or sanctification. And sanctification, to sanctify, comes from the, 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 uh, the, the Greek word hagnos, to be pure or to be clean. In James chapter 1 and verse 27, he says, Pure religion and undefiled before God. And the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction. Affliction. I mean, we need to help people. If we, if we know people of the household of faith, we need to do what we can to help them. But the third component a lot of people miss. It, it, is says, it says that, and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Everybody say unspotted. Amen. To be spotless. In Ephesians chapter 5, uh, Paul is teaching on how a husband and wife 
should love each other and conduct themselves with each other. And he, he pointed to Jesus as an example of how a husband should be toward his wife. And it seemed like he got anointed in there and just started talking about what Jesus does for us. Uh, as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify, somebody say sanctify, and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a, what's it say? Not a carnal church, not a worldly church, not a distracted church, but a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that that it should be holy and without blemish. I believe it is God's will that we would be identified as a holy people. Now, we live in a very secularized, uh, uninformed day of Christianity. Most people, most people that consider themselves Christian, they don't have much doctrine because they have very little understanding of Scripture. Many of them have... Curse, have barely read their Bible. They have memorized very few scriptures. And they have most of what they believe about Jesus in the Bible is wrong. You get to talking to them. You get to, they, they, they know, what they know about Jesus, they, they see it in a movie. They saw it on National Geographic. Uh, 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 they, they, they saw it in a cartoon somewhere. I'm telling you, Larry Boy's great. But his doctrine's a little weak. <laughs> right? That's not even a current. It's, my kids were kids. But, but the thing is, there's a lot of people that are very persuaded in what they believe, but they don't know what the Bible says. They only believe what they've heard. And much of what is spoken in the books that people read that are in popular Christianity, there's more error than there is truth. If someone tunes into one of the local uh, televangelists, maybe what they say isn't wrong, but what they leave out makes what they say wrong. And I think it's very important for us to understand that just because the rest of the world has no concept nor desire for personal holiness, has no pursuit of living a separated life, that does not eliminate our personal need to have a revelation, a persuasion, and a conviction that says, as God is holy, He has called me to be holy. And God is looking for a glorious church that is without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Amen. I am pursuing holiness in the fear of God. Doesn't mean I'm perfect, but just like falling in the water don't make you drown. But if you put your if you fall in the water and you stay in the water and keep your head underneath the water, you're gonna drown. And it's the same way if you fall in sin and you stay in sin and you drown in sin, you're not saved anymore. You are you you, you lost. And so I think it's important for us to recognize there's a lot of stuff out there that, that, that has nice little taglines and it's great little bumper stickers, but it's not biblical truth. It's, it's what Nicholas taught. It's what uh, their favorite uh, uh, old re- reformer wrote. It's not what the scripture teaches. And we must be persuaded that in our pursuit of loving Jesus, we need to be willing to know the truth and and not be afraid of it. 
You know, uh, I'm, uh, if you want to come sing a song, so I can quit. Uh, we, there's a current situation going on right now that uh, there is news. There are, there are things that have happened recently that you, can, you can't find in most newspapers and you can't find in most media. No one's even talking about it. And a large percentage of our country is totally ignorant because nobody's talking about it. And there will be a lot of people make decisions over the next week and they will be going and they don't know the full story. And that is a perfect picture today. When, when people tune in the radio, they tune in the TV, they tune in Facebook and they're watching the preaching, they might as well be watching CNN of religion because what they're watching is fake news. Because they're preaching a doctrine of men rather than the doctrine that, that might make them uncomfortable. The Bible says a day will come that men will not endure sound doctrine, but they will heed to themselves teachers that will tell them what they want to hear. And if we've ever lived in a day, people, people can find exactly what they want to hear. And Jesus warned them in the book of Revelation, there are those that believe the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, and they do the deeds of the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. And I hate it. And if there's ever a day that we as individuals and as a church, people of faith, we need to, to grasp that original identity of Job, that we fear God and we eschew evil. That's righteousness. A righteous individual is going to love the things God loves. The Bible tells it. And that person is going to hate the things God hates. That's righteousness. And that's the kind of person I want to be. How about you? I want people to know and to feel, hey, that's a holy man. Hey, that's a holy woman. That, that their, their religious knowledge may be so shallow they have no concept of what it is or why they think maybe there's some weird sect. Why do they do that? But they feel it. Because righteous people look different than unrighteous people. You know, a lot of, a lot of people, they look just... What, a, what, a, what, a, what a, a Satanist would wear and some Christians would wear to church or other places ain't no different. Whether it's... Uh, <laughs> you picking them laying down? They don't talk any different than a Satanist. They don't wear anything different. They don't go different places. There's no difference between what a Satanist or an atheist or an ambivalent person would be than someone that thinks they're a Christian. Because they're either ignorant, and a lot of people are. They just don't know. They've not been taught. The Word of God's not been preached. They're either ignorant, they're rebellious, or they're ambivalent. And at the end of the day, rebellion, ignorance, ambivalence has the same results. Amen. I want to be knowledgeable in the Word of God. How about you?
I want to be passionate about the things of God. How about you? I want to be obedient to the word of God. Can we stand together and just raise our hand? Lord, I want your identity. That when, Lord, someone sees me or hears me or knows me, God, they would know that is a person that's like Jesus. I see Jesus in their eyes. I see Jesus in their smile. I see hear Jesus in their words. I feel Jesus in their actions. Lord, I want to be a witness. Lord, I want my light to so shine. I want to be salt in this earth. In the name of Jesus, I want that to be my identity. Lord, I want holiness. Not for personal pride or self-righteousness, but for your, you to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Amen. Welcome to Spring Ridge Church Podcast. We hope that you will be blessed by the podcast today. If you would like to find out more information about our church, our website's www.springridgechurch.com. You can send an email to me, the pastor, Scott Phillips, at pastor at springridgechurch.com. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. Prayer requests, questions, desire for a Bible study, or you would like some information how to attend our church or another church of like precious faith. Thank you. Enjoy the podcast. Thank you.